Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Well, we are continuing and probably today, probably ending this series, Biblical Stewardship. And this morning I want to talk about uh, what I would think to be kind of the culmination of everything that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. And this morning's message is on serving. And uh, we've identified three different areas that we've been talking about, primary areas um, of biblical stewardship consisting of our obedience, um, our generosity, and management of his resources that we've talked about uh, throughout the series that God owns it all and we are simply stewards or managers stewardship managing someone else's resources godly stewardship or biblical stewardship managing God's resources God's way because as we've talked about and I hope that we're getting a, a broader perspective on who owns it all he owns it all and we simply get to manage or steward uh, or watch over and be a part of everything that he owns. Today we'll be going to Matthew chapter 20 and also John chapter 13. Before we do, I want to talk about our mission statement. I think it's good to, to talk about it every, every month or so. And I know most of us have the understanding, we have the, the mission statement memorized, but I want to talk a little bit about it uh, because I think it ties in really well with today's sermon. When we talk about our mission statement, Come on, you know what it is. It's to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. So when we talk about develop, we're talking about uh, providing a fertile, healthy environment of growth for those that already know the Lord and providing an environment where people that don't know the Lord, that don't have a relationship with Him, can come into this relationship. So that's how we begin to develop this relationship with Christ, right? We have to, first of all, come into this relationship with Him. And then maintaining that connection, we believe, is through knowledge of the Word, but not just knowledge of the Word, because you can know the Word, but are we applying the Word? Do we go out and live it? Oh, that was good. So are we, are we, do we know the Word? Do we know what the Word says? Are we applying the Word through uh, certainly this, this relationship that we have with the Lord and through our relationship with one another that Al talked about this morning? Our relationship with God is important, but also with one another as well. So we maintain that connection uh, through this relationship with Christ. And I know maybe some of us have had these wild swings in our lives where we're hot for God and then cold for God and, you know, we're waffling back and forth in our relationship with Him. But God desires that we stay connected to Him. And another way that we remain connected to Him is through modeling, develop, maintain, a model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Now, how do we model that? Well, we live this thing out. And I think another way, I think a primary way that we model this is by serving. And so when you look at our mission statement, develop, develop, maintain, and model, it's not really a circle. Develop, maintain, and model. Develop, maintain, and model. It's more like a, uh, a cinnamon roll. Develop, as we're developing this relationship, it helps us to maintain our connectivity to Him. And then we're serving. That further develops us, which keeps us further connected to the Lord. 
which causes us to continue to model because maybe we start out on the greeting team and then as we grow spiritually, then maybe we begin to teach in children's ministry or youth ministry or lead a life group or, or, or we're growing, right? So when you look at our mission statement, develop, maintain a model, develop, maintain a model, develop, maintain a model, develop, maintain a model, it should be a growing thing. And so spiritual growth, spiritual maturity and growth is a process, and it's not about the process as much as it is about the target of de developing, maintaining, and modeling this personal, intimate relationship with Christ. And I know that I talk about this a lot, but I think it is key and critical when you think about our core scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. For what? For equipping the saints so that we come into unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we become mature. And, and so I, I think that God has given us a, a, a beautiful mission statement that we can apply to our daily life, that we can... Put some skin on that thing and live this thing out. And then our vision is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. So our mission is getting us on the highway. Our vision, our goal is the target is that we become disciples who will impact the world with, with the love of Jesus Christ. But it begins with us having this relationship with him before we can do that. So the mission is the vehicle, and uh, uh, the vision is the destination, if that makes sense. So I know that you know that, but uh, I just think it's good to be reminded of it every once in a while. What is our heart? Why are we here? What has God, God called Life Fellowship to do? And as a part of this body, that is, that is our mandate. Now, I think that every church should be going and making disciples of all the nations. That would, that's what Jesus told us to do. But it's definitely our calling here that we grow and we become disciples, committed followers of Christ. That's what a disciple of Christ is, someone that's committed to the teachings, that follows, uh, follows Jesus as a servant and implements the things that he's told us to do. Now, while we're here, let's talk about our values. Do you remember what they are? There's seven of them. Love, prayer, obedience, obedience, humility, unity, and service. Huh? Oh, teachability, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for helping me with that one. Love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, unity, and service. You're right. Thank you for that. Uh, seeing if, if you're awake this morning. I guess, I guess the coffee and donuts have helped y'all this morning. <laughs> so anyway, um, serving is, is one of the, uh, the things that, that's really important. I've heard people you know, say things like, uh, all, the, all the church talks about is money, and they, they, can, they can miss the heart of God. And if you think about it, Jesus doesn't need your money. It's all his anyway. And when you think about it, the church really doesn't need their money either because the things that we bring back, the, the tithes and offerings, belong to him already. So we're just returning to him what belongs to him. And, and I think that many people miss this, the heart of God. 
Serving requires selflessness and time. And when people get hung up on things uh, that are taught in the church like money, our time is of greater value than our money. Uh, and we have, we have great servants here. I love the fact that uh, you guys are so gracious and giving and loving and serving. I'm thinking about the sunrise service coming up. Almost everybody in this room, if not everyone, is serving. We'll be serving down there in a couple of weeks. And that's, that's phenomenal. And, and not only are you serving, but you've got great attitudes too. That's important. Have you ever had somebody serving you and they've got a cruddy attitude? I'm going to have a TA moment here. TA stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. And it's not always something that I share that's um, very uh, Christ-like, maybe, I can say. But I've, I've gone to, you know, I've been somewhere and someone is supposed to be serving me or a cashier or something, and they've just been rude. And I'll say something like, I'm so sorry to interrupt your day. That's not very Christ-like, is it? But that's how I really feel. I feel like they're, they're doing a job, and they, they act like they're inconvenienced. And I'm like, this is what you're getting paid to do. And so it's, it's really kind of sarcastic. It's not very loving when I say that, because that's my heart. It's not really to be gracious to them. And, you know, sometimes I'll tell them, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to pray for you today. That's a little better then I'm sorry to be inconveniencing you today. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we, we have those situations, right? And we can serve with a great attitude or we can serve with a cruddy attitude. I know that we all have challenges. Sometimes we have a bad day. I mean, you just have a bad day. But we need to be gracious toward one another. And uh, Pastor Mark needs to maybe extend a little more gracious to graciousness to people that are having a bad day. But we have the, uh, the sunrise service coming up in a, a couple of weeks, and we have such a tremendous opportunity. There's going to be a lot of believers there. There's going to be some people that, that are just checking out this Christ thing, and there's going to be people there that are going to be hurting. And what a great opportunity we have to just be friendly to people, be nice to people. And, and uh, consider it. I want to go to Romans chapter 10, verses, verses 9 and 10. I didn't tell you about this one. But Paul is saying, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, so we, we've known, we've read the scripture, we've quoted the scripture. Verse 10, For it is believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And I was thinking about this, and I think that sometimes we don't emphasize maybe the second half of the Scripture enough. Are we openly declaring that, uh, that we have faith in God and that we're saved? I think sometimes that, that we have almost sugar-coated this, this gospel to the point that we don't want people to be offended and getting, coming into this relationship with Christ requires that we get saved. It requires coming into uh, this relationship. But, but it talks about here in the first part, uh, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. 
So I think there are a lot of people that will say, I received Jesus as my Savior for the forgiveness of my sins, and I'm saved, but do they make Jesus their Lord? I think those could be two different things. Because making Jesus our Lord means that we give him control and authority over our life. Picture this, that James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, their mom comes to Jesus and says, uh, when you enter into your kingdom, could my son sit at your right hand and on your left hand? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering that that requires? And I think that, that uh, James and John were there because they, they answer, oh, yes, we can do that. But let's read on here. That's the background on what's happened. Let's read in Matthew chapter 20, 24 through 28. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were offended. They were probably ticked off. They probably had their feelings hurt. Here, this, this group of 12 men and these disciples are supposed to be working together, right? And James and John are, are like, hey, Jesus, hey, can, can you give us some special favor? I, I think that I would be a little upset at them as well. Because I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, that's not really fair to the rest of us. Why should you get special favor and, and try to go around us? So let's read on. Verse 25. But Jesus called them together and asked, or said, rather, you know that the rulers of this world love... Um, I'm sorry, let me start over here. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people... And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And when you think about the world's culture and society, think about in the corporation. You have the president or the CEO of the company. And he is at the top of the triangle and everybody else supports him. And what Jesus is saying is it's an inverted triangle. The, if you want to serve, you're at the bottom and you serve everyone else. Uh, and that's what he says here in the next scripture. But among you it will be different. It's not going to be like the world system that we see where everybody serves the leader. Let's read on. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. That is different than the world system. And this Greek word for servant is diakonos. And it means servant of another. And in this context, it means servant of God. It means to serve the master, to be an attendant. It can also be used in this context as a minister or church leader. So we are to serve the master. And when, when you look at the leadership of this church, it is servant leadership I should be the head janitor. I should be the head server. 
None of us are too good to, to pick up trash or sweep up. And, and I see many of you doing that. I saw uh, Cliff and Dan sweeping up today for you. Uh, many times I'll see Cliff out there sweeping the sidewalk. Who, who's he doing it for? Really, he's doing it for the Lord, but it's, it's honoring you too. And so this word means that we are to serve the master. And uh, it's kind of like being a, a server. Lord, how can I serve you? What can I do, Lord? I've made you my Lord. You are my Savior, but how can I serve you? But, but it also means serving others. So, how can I serve you? May I get you a cup of coffee? How about a chocolate-covered donut? How about, a, how about a, a napkin? So do we have this mentality and this heart to not only serve the Lord, but to serve one another? Because that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about servant leadership. Matthew 20, 27 says, And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. It is not the same word that he's using here. It's a, it, this Greek word is doulos, and it means what we would probably think of as a slave, someone that's legally owned by someone and whose entire livelihood and purpose is determined by their master. So Jesus is saying that we should be a servant, but if you want to be a leader, you need to be a slave. And I was going to bring a, you know, another visual to that, but I, I didn't want to have the camera moving up and down too much. But I thought about somebody mopping the floor. And then I thought a slave would be down there with a scrub brush, scrubbing the floor. A slave is going to do everything that his master asked him to do. And what if we were the kind of servants and slaves that didn't have to wait to be asked? What if we responded to the Lord and the Holy Spirit the way that He would speak, in the manner that He would speak to us, that we would just simply obey and say, Lord, what do you want? I, I'm, I'm not only a servant, but I'm your slave. When, when the Lord called us to Pioneer Life Fellowship, we, we fasted and prayed because I knew the responsibility that this was taking, that this would call us to. And I, I never, listen, I never planned to plant a church or be a senior pastor. I mean, I, that wasn't really on my radar. I was happy. I, I love playing drums and playing on the worship team. I mean, I love that. I could just do that forever. But when God called us to do this, we fasted and prayed for months. And... I said, Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but I will not do this unless I know that 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 you called me to do, to do this. And, and so we, we have to be, we don't have to be, but we should be open to what the Lord is wanting to do in our hearts and lives because there's a greater purpose. Proverbs 20, 25 says, Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. So when the Lord called us to do this, 
We didn't make any rash promises. So, Lord, if, if, if I'm in, I'm all in. There is no plan B, C, D, E. <laughs> We're all in. And so it's a, it's a great honor and privilege for us to get to do this. But I think the next slide is making Jesus your Lord will require you to yield to him. I, I think I missed my first point. But uh, my first point now is, are you serving the Lord by giving him some of your time, talents, and treasure? Are you giving him at least some? <laughs> if he's our Lord, are we giving him some of our time, our talents, our treasure? My second point is, in serving, we use our gifts to bless others to become more spiritually mature. As I talked about in the beginning, this, this growth, spiritual growth, is a process that God is taking us through because He wants us to grow and become mature believers. And again, one of the ways that we demonstrate that is by serving. Serving Him first, but also serving one another. Matthew twenty twenty eight says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give His life as a ransom for many. For all of us. I love the scripture because I think this, this uh, contains the primary elements of the gospel. That the Son of Man, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. To example to us. And also to give his life as a ransom. To pay the penalty on the cross for all of our sins. I have a friend He's gone home to be with the Lord now, and he had a, a very unique way of ministering. He was a musician, and he would kind of rap and, and worship, but he would say things like, oops, there it is. Oops, there it is. Oops, there it is, right there. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for us. And those other people that are lost... Undesirable people, those cactus people, that you get near them and they're poking you and you just want to push them away. You don't even want to touch them. But Jesus came and gave his life as a ransom for them. And what we find is that so many times those people are so wounded and so hurting. They have been so hurt by others, maybe their parents or maybe people in the church, that they're resistant to receive because they're so wounded. But Jesus wants to come and pull that cactus skin apart and minister to the wounds in their hearts. And he's using people like us. They will not say, I'm sorry that I've inconvenienced you today. But would maybe say something like, you have a beautiful smile. I like your jewelry. How about this? God loves you. I, I, I want to pray for you today. Maybe God is calling us to a higher standard and that we wouldn't be so sensitive 
and that we wouldn't be so easily offended and maybe we would recognize that that person is hurting. Regarding serving, not everyone who serves is a mature believer, but every mature believer does serve. That's what I've seen. And let me say that again. Not everyone who serves is necessarily spiritually mature. But every mature believer that I know serves. Because it's a, it's a characteristic. It's a demonstration of, of Christ. It's a demonstration of spiritual maturity. Now, I've come to realize that we all have different capacities. Some people have a greater capacity than others, and uh, sometimes we need a break. And sometimes we may serve in an area and we may say, you know what, I want to I serve in a different role or I, I want to serve in a different area. But serving in some capacity should be the norm, not the exception that we're serving. Because when we're serving each other, we're really serving Him. We are serving each other. Are we giving God some of the time, the talents, and the treasures back to Him that He's imparted to us? And as we've talked about, when we use the things that God has given us, He'll give us more. And if we don't use the things that He's given us, what He's given us, He'll remove. Because God is looking for people that He can trust that he can pour through, that will do something with the giftings that he's given them. So, my first point this morning is, are you serving the Lord by giving him some of your time, your talents, and your treasure? He deserves it all. And let me tell you this, too. I think I, I missed this in my notes. Uh, God wants more than your time or your money. He wants something that is much more valuable than that. He wants your heart. Because when he has your heart, he has your life. My second point in serving, we use our gifts to bless others and become more spiritually mature. Because like I talked about a while ago, serving is selflessness. Serving is inconvenient sometimes. Getting a call at 3 in the morning and counseling someone or going to the hospital or praying or whatever. It's not always the most convenient thing. But wait a minute. You're Lord. And you are giving me this privilege and this opportunity to serve you in this capacity. Whatever capacity that is. It's an honor. My third point is serving with the right heart and, and in humility pleases the Lord. Let's go to John chapter 13, verses 3 through 17. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Verse 4, so he got up from the table, and this is at the, the Last Supper, he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Humility. He took off his robe. I don't know if he had any underwear on or not. But he wrapped a robe around himself. 
talking about servanthood. We're talking about humility. So get a picture of this. He takes off his robe. He wraps a towel around his waist. And he pours water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet. drying them with the towel that he had around him. And so if you know the culture, it was the position of the lowest slave or servant in the house to wash the feet. Because out on the roads, they didn't have concrete and asphalt like we have today. The people and the animals would go along the same roads. And I've raised a few animals and they're not very conscientious when it comes to going to the restroom. They, when they got to go, they go. It doesn't matter. And so I don't mean to be disgusting or gross here, but you can imagine people trampling through the, the muck and the mire and all the stuff on the road. So when someone would come into their house, you would honor them by washing their feet because they had sandals. If they had sandals, maybe they were barefoot. And so their feet would be washed for sanitary reasons. You don't want... Hey, 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 you're tracking stuff here on my carpet here. You need to go out there and wash that stuff off your foot. But it was also a way to honor one another. And so he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands, my head as well, not just my feet. Peter's saying, if, if this, is, is, if this is my, proves my connection to you, don't just wash my feet. I'm all in. Just dump the bucket on me. Do the Jesus bucket wash challenge. Just pour it all on me. And then Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Through this series, one of the things that I've said is that there are spiritual implications. There are, no, let me say it this way. There are physical implications of what Jesus taught. You know, uh, uh, put to have lamp in your oil so that you're... Uh, have, your, have oil in your lamp so that your lamp will light up. Okay, that was a physical thing. But there was also a spiritual result of that, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are to be the light of the world, things like that. And so Jesus, when, he, when he's talking to them, when he's talking to us through his word, through his spirit, he's saying, um, do you understand what I'm doing? Well, yeah, you're, you washed our feet. No, no, no. There's a, there's a greater 
level of, of teaching here that I want you to get. I want you to understand that serving and becoming a slave is your role. As I am the Lord and you are the servant and the slave. And so I'm demonstrating to you how I want you to live. And it's not just serving by washing someone's feet. It's much greater than that. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you is what Jesus was telling them. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I think Jesus is saying, do you have the right heart? Do you understand what I'm doing here? I'm not just washing your feet because they're filthy, dirty. I'm giving you an example to follow that you are to serve me, the Master, because I'm doing, I'm, I'm giving you this example, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to serve me, and I want you to serve one another. I want you to realize that the privilege and opportunities, the giftings that you have, are given to you to give back to me, that I can pour through those things, whatever they are, to build the kingdom and draw people to me. So, my three questions or my three points this morning. Are you serving the Lord by giving Him some of your time, talents, and treasure? Stop and think for a moment. What are the giftings that He's given you? What are the, the talents? Are you giving Him time? Are you giving back to Him? In serving, we use our gifts to bless others and become more spiritually mature because it's less about us and more about Him. And serving with the right heart and in humility pleases the Lord. In January of this year, we've talked about this, uh, the Lord woke me up and, in the middle of the night and said, are you prepared for my return? And then the next morning, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I'm returning soon. And I said, what do you want? Okay, what do we do, Lord? What do you want us to do? And he said, press into me. Press into me. So, I think today's a good day to say, where's my relationship really at with the Lord? Okay, I'm saved by grace through faith, not of my works that any man should boast. Ephesians 2, right? I'm saved by grace. Thank you, Lord. But are you my Lord? <laughs> that, that may be a different thing. And I, I, I just kind of think that maybe... The church, maybe the Western church, has not done a very good job of explaining what that really means. We, it seems like, and I'm not just talking, I'm not necessarily talking about our church, but just churches in general, will we'll lead people in the salvation prayer, but are we doing people a disservice by not letting them know that it's not only giving our heart to Him? but making Him our Lord and Savior. Because I think there are a lot of people that are just on the fence. And they may be saved. I don't know. That's not up to me to judge. But have they made Him Lord 
of their life. I, I had a, a text this week from a, a young man that used to go to church here and he's serving in ministry. Uh, they moved to uh, another area of Texas and he said that uh, he wanted to talk to me about discipleship, that he was given the task of converting their, their campus into a discipleship campus. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking of what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all that I've taught you and know that I'll be with you till the ends of the age. And so I was thinking that is the call of the church, to make disciples. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, our core scripture. And these are the gifts, gifts that Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, that we become mature in the Lord. And I'm thinking this should be the mandate of the body of Christ, that we become committed followers of Christ and that we go and make other disciples. I remember going to a meeting a number of years ago, well, a couple of years ago, I guess, and the focus of the conference or this meeting was discipleship. Let's all go make disciples. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, shouldn't we already be doing that? But it was like everybody was so excited. And the second thought I had was, are you sure you want to do that? Because what I've seen is there are a lot of people that are okay with this relationship to a point. But when it comes to being a disciple, a committed follower of Christ, I don't know that everybody that's saved or says they're saved is in on that. That's a whole different thing, man. And I was thinking, are you willing for your church to reduce in size because people don't want to become a disciple? They want the 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 uh, entertainment, worship, and they want some of these things. And those, you know, worship is great, but what are, what are we there for? What is the purpose of our attending churches? Hopefully that we'll be encouraged, that we'll be trained and equipped and taught, but also that we would be challenged in our relationship with Him and what God has called us to do. So, serving requires but God has called all of us to serve and I love you guys so much you're wonderful servers you have great hearts and I love you all so much and we can be the models for not only the church but for those that are hurt and wounded and think that the church is just out for their money. The Christians are, have an ulterior motive or when, when our motive should be to love them and show them the love of Christ and show them what a personal, intimate relationship can look like as they see us go through the, the tensions and the challenges of our life but remain faithful to Him.